Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 12 in which we set the tone. This is the Set the Tone podcast. I am your host, Tony. You can follow along on Twitter at setthetone underscore pod. You may wonder where I was last week. Well, folks, took a trip to South Beach to go see in person my Miami Dolphins play. I saw my Miami Dolphins win. I then boarded a plane to come back to Northeast Ohio on what is known as Black Monday in the NFL. And one of the early and surprising casualties, none other than former Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores. So that's where we'll begin today's program. We're going to talk about Black Monday, the eight head coaching vacancies that we now see as we record this podcast. If we have time... And hopefully we will. I will talk about the NFL playoffs, but time permitting, I want to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame voting. I want to talk about the baseball CBA that is at hand or the lockout with the players and the owners that has had its first discussion in a long while and the differences between both sides that we find. But again, getting back into it, Black Monday in the NFL, um, and when it's all said and done, we are recording this on a Thursday, we are left with eight vacancies in total. One would be the Las Vegas Raiders, as they have an interim head coach in Rich Bisaccia. Uh, The Jacksonville Jaguars had let go of Urban Meyer earlier in the season, but the Broncos let go of Vic Fangio. The Vikings let go of Mike Zimmer after a long tenure. The Bears had let go of Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. The Miami Dolphins a surprise here in this situation of Brian Flores. The New York Giants churning through another head coach and Joe Judge just after two years. And the Texans letting go of David Culley. Let's start with the Dolphins. As Brian Flores was the ultimate surprise and now seems to be the top head coaching candidate in this year's cycle. Already an interview with the Chicago Bears. The potential of having an interview with the Houston Texans as Nick Casario and Jack Easterby seem to be old colleagues from New England. Could Brian Flores be the potential reason David Culley was fired? Because this all stems back to the Deshaun Watson situation in Miami that had Let's say hampered the fan base a little bit, hampered Tua Tungavailoa, as these rumors just continued to swirl and swirl around. Well, it was reported that Brian Flores was the one that was interested in Deshaun Watson, or the fact that Deshaun Watson wanted to come to Miami to play for Brian Flores. Well, Deshaun Watson's contract situation is in a healthy spot financially with Houston. So if the potential of recruiting Brian Flores to Houston, could that keep Deshaun Watson there? Now it's another rebuild for Brian Flores. He had the ability to do it in Miami and maybe rebuilding in the way he did competing week in and week out was an issue for owner Stephen Ross, was an issue for GM Chris Greer. We don't know. And Mike Florio has done a good job offering opinions. Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, if you read that there has been a disconnect between Stephen Ross and Brian Flores, and you hear Stephen Ross come out and say, you know, we need a coach with collaboration. We need a coach with good communication. Brian Flores did not have that. We hear there are now 
rumors of how Brian Flores communicated in the locker room, namely to Tua Tungavaloa. Now the question begs in this spot here. Why are these rumors coming out more so now after the season? Are they potential leaks from the Miami Dolphins? Because, again, admittedly as a biased fan here, I love Brian Flores as a head coach. I liked his attitude. I thought it was no nonsense. Maybe it didn't sit well with others. But the entirety of the fan base, and some people have shifted a little bit as they, as they have read this narrative, but it was a shock and it was a disappointment. So did the Dolphins recognize that there was a shock and a disappointment with the Brian Flores firing? So let's leak some information. And the other thing that Mike Florio had covered was that Stephen Ross is not in New York. Or is not in Miami. He's in New York during the week. He comes down on game day. Well, then Chris Greer has access because Brian Flores is busy coaching. That's a failure on ownership. And I've come to the terms that the Miami Dolphins will be nothing but a mediocre franchise until ownership changes. Because that has been the one consistent here. Right Since the year 2002, there are two teams in the NFL with just two playoff appearances. That would be the Miami Dolphins and the Cleveland Browns. Dolphins have not had a win since 2001 in the playoffs. There are glaring issues with that organization. And we've seen it. And you go every eight years, the Dolphins find their way into the playoffs. Well, maybe in two more years, the Dolphins will find their way into the playoffs again. I do feel bad for David Culley. He seemed that he had the Texans play very hard for him, and he was set up for failure and was dismissed. Joe Judge, I don't know what to tell you. Running a quarterback sneak on third and nine inside your own 20? What are we doing? What just, that needs to be addressed. right? That needs to be something that, hey, we fucked up. Come out and say it. I'd love to see if Rich Versace gets to stay with the uh, with the Las Vegas Raiders. Playoff win or not. And not enough credit, and this is off the coaching side, goes to Derek Carr. Derek Carr as a leader. Derek Carr as a commenting influence in a locker room. Not only do they have to go through a head coaching change, and not just a coach who... Let's use Urban Meyer as an example. Screw some things up off the field, right? And then we get into the Josh Lambeau situation in preseason. We learn a little bit more. But really what John Gruden did was tear down a locker room in with what he said. So it takes a strong man in Derek Carr to be seen as the vet there, as the leader, to hold things together, to be a glue guy. Same thing with Rich Passaccia coming in as the interim head coach, and he's done a fantastic job. But for that reason, I want to root for the Raiders in the playoffs. Now, that being said, it's a different story with what we see them playing the Cincinnati Bengals going on the road to Cincinnati this Saturday at 4.30. is going to be a fun matchup. Joe Burrow has been fantastic behind a spotty offensive line and a defense that is, well, hit or miss. But he has an offense clicking on all cylinders. He has who I think should be the rookie of the year in Jamar Chase. If anyone comes in and brings Mac Jones nonsense, I'll dismiss it. 
because I've said time and time again sitting in this chair, is that Mac Jones plays in a perfect Bill Belichick system. Right When things go well, he is the perfect guy who can move the football down the field and run it as needed. Much like Tom Brady did early in his career, but then Tom Brady became Tom Brady. Right, We know him as an athlete, as an NFL football player. He works his ass off. He's making the strides. He's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. I think he is the best football player of all time. Different than quarterback. Different discussion for a different day. But Mac Jones should not be the offensive rookie of the year. If we're going to be honest here, it is Jamar Chase by a landslide. Go ahead, put Jalen Waddle in a conversation. But he doesn't, again, and this is a biased, he doesn't compete with Jamar Chase. What he has done to take the top off defenses and open up a Bengals offense like it hadn't been opened up before. So with that said, we preview the playoffs now. Here are your matchups through this weekend coming up. Again, kicking off the playoff slate on Super Wildcard Weekend, 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard on NBC. The Las Vegas Raiders again travel to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals, 8.15 on CBS. New England travels to Buffalo. Sunday, 1 o'clock on Fox, the Eagles travel to Tampa Bay. Kind of reminds me of those early 2000s playoffs here again. Eagles-Bucks squaring off. Is there a trip to the Super Bowl online? No, not in this time, but still gives me that nostalgic feel watching as a kid. Sunday at 4.30, the Cowboys are hosting the San Francisco 49ers. Sunday at 8.15, Ben Roethlisberger, one final time? Or can he extend his career. They travel to Kansas City, the Steelers do, to take on the Chiefs, 8-15 on NBC. And Monday, we get that into the mix now. We get a Monday night football game. The Rams take on the Arizona Cardinals. We'll start with the Raiders and the Bengals. I see the teams a little bit similarly where the offense can go. The defense has some gaps, but I say this. The Raiders' defense is a little bit better than the Bengals. And the Bengals' offense is a little bit better than the Raiders. Now, that being said, I hold the offense in a higher regard in this spot. I'm going to take the Bengals at home. Who knows? We need to look at what the weather forecast in Cincinnati will be. Uh, Let's see if there is a preview here. We are seeing Cincinnati... Game time, 28 game time weather, cold, Raiders getting outside the dome, Bengals are used to this spot, sure they drop an egg in Cleveland in the final week of the season, but they rested starters, so they give themselves a chance. The Raiders won in a big spot, I had texted with, I had texted with folks uh, leading into this weekend, although we didn't have a podcast, I said, I would bet the Raiders for this reason, I'm not betting the Raiders, I'm betting against The Los Angeles Chargers. Until the Chargers franchise decides to win a big football game, bet against them. I would be willing to be wrong in that spot. Raiders win a big emotional game in overtime. Give me the Bengals uh, to kick off Super Wild Card Weekend. And we move to the Saturday night game, the Bills and the Patriots. The thing to monitor here, right? We go back to Buffalo. It's a cold weather game. 
Do the Patriots run it down the Bills' throat? Very possible. We're going to look at a potential game time temperature of 2 degrees with wind gusts around 14 miles an hour. See, I don't see the wind as being as big of a factor in this one. Again, that is gusts at 14 miles an hour. So there's going to be a little bit less of a consistent wind at that point where I think the Bills are going to be able to move the football are going to be th- going to be able to throw it effectively. Again, this could change a little bit. I think the Bills and uh, and Sean McDermott have learned from their Monday night matchup when they hosted the Patriots and could not stop the run. They're going to be a little bit more prepared. I think this serves them well. Now, that being said, Bill Belichick is, again, a mastermind of elements. He's a mastermind of a football coach. He's also going to be prepared for this spot as well. I think there will be a few more wrinkles thrown at the Buffalo Bills, but I'm going to give you the Bills in this spot. Take the Bills. Take the Bengals on Saturday night. The two top seeds advance in those matchups. The Eagles and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers square off. I would think it's Tampa Bay in a landslide. And I'll tell you why. For the same reason, again, remember we go back two weeks ago. I told you in a matchup of Arizona and Dallas, Arizona gets off the schneid. Why? Because in Dallas's four-game win streak that they were riding into that spot, who had they beaten? Who? Go ahead. Who have the Cowboys beaten that is a legit football team since, what, November? We'll take a look. No one. Answer is pretty simple, pretty straightforward. They have not beaten anyone. And then the Cowboys go and turn it around and lay it on the Eagles. Yeah, I get that the Eagles were sitting people. They had their playoff their playoff spot clinched. But the Eagles aren't a great team. They're a playoff team in the NFC. I'm not going to take that away from them. But they don't stack up to what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers provide. Tampa Bay rolls in whatever way they want. And maybe the Eagles come out hard for a half. I wouldn't be surprised they mix it up. But as we go through 60 minutes of this football game, I see Tampa Bay winning by two scores. And in the fourth quarter, I don't really think we see it as a question whatsoever. Now we go to the 430 game on Sunday on CBS. The rare NFC-CBS matchup. Again, the Cowboys hosting the San Francisco 49ers. What logic did I just use? The Cowboys have not beaten anybody legit. I see the Niners as a legit football team. Is Jimmy Garoppolo going to take the top off of you? No. But with Brandon Ayuk, with Debo Samuel, with George Kittle, there are playmakers on offense where San Francisco can move the football, and that defense is fun. Kyle Shanahan has been in a big spot before. He has learned from big spots. Mike McCarthy, yeah, he's won a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. But however many times did he drop the ball in a big spot with the Green Bay Packers? Again, Dallas has not beaten a legit team in a long time. For them to win this football game, again, even though it's at home, it's going to take them a lot. They're 5-3 and three at home this year, are the Cowboys. 12-5 and five on the year. They've had a little bit more success on the road. So what does that tell me? It's a matter of who comes into their building, right? They're not beating the top teams in their building throughout the year. The Cowboys lost to the Broncos 
at home. The Cowboys lost to the Cardinals at home. And the Cowboys also lost to the Raiders at home. Their other losses at Kansas City and to open the season at Tampa Bay. They beat the Chargers, not a playoff team. Beat the Panthers, not a playoff team. Their big marquee win, that overtime game against the Patriots in New England. Hell of a game. That is their marquee win. And that is a Patriots team that had lost to a Miami Dolphins football team twice this season. A non-playoff team. And that was a week six Patriots team still trying to figure themselves out a little bit. That's their marquee win. Went on the road and beat the Saints, did the Cowboys. But again, they have not beaten anybody of merit. And until they do, I'm going to apply the same logic here that I did with the Chargers. Until they beat somebody in a big spot, then I will take them seriously. Haven't done it at this point. Give me the Niners on the road, pull off the upset, and they move on in the playoffs. The Sunday night game, Kansas City Chiefs and the Pittsburgh Steelers. We saw Patrick Mahomes last year run for his life in the playoffs behind a lousy offensive line. The Kansas City Chiefs do not what great teams do, but do what great organizations do. They fill their needs. Bring in Joe Tooney. Draft Creed Humphrey. Creed Humphrey, who rated by Pro Football Focus as the best center in the NFL this year. Not just rookies. The best center in the NFL. That offensive line is restructured. I do think... T.J. Watt might get to Patrick Mahomes a couple times. Might put some pressure on him a few times. When it's all said and done, I don't know that there's enough firepower with this Steelers offense to hang with the firepower of of the Chiefs offense. I don't know that there will be enough takeaways on the Pittsburgh side to keep things in the mix. I see this as pretty, pretty much in the same way that I do that Tampa Bay and Philadelphia game. By the fourth quarter, we should have this thing wrapped up. It goes to the Chiefs in a Sunday night performance. Now, a big game where I think we could see a 50-50 split here on which way people are leaning. The LA Rams, the Arizona Cardinals. The Rams have suffered a loss to the Cardinals in week three, 37, or I'm sorry, week four, 37-20, and then a win later on in the season, mostly 30-20. When the Cardinals were in that little bit of a rut. It took the Cardinals a little bit to get out of that rut, and that was by beating the Dallas Cowboys. They lost to the Rams to start that three-game losing streak at Detroit, and then the Colts, who were hot, then went on the road to hang on 25-22 against the Cowboys. Finished the season with a loss, in a weird way, against the Seahawks. How do we see this matchup going? This is a big-time performance for Matt Stafford, right? He needs to sort of get the monkey off his back. People who have questioned what Matt Stafford can bring to the table, that he is not a big-time player. He should have done more in Detroit with Calvin Johnson. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think Matt Stafford comes out and proves himself. I think we see this as a learning experience for Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Because the one question that I had is, Kyler Murray has seemed to fade a little bit in the big spot and towards the end of the season 
most notably. Did so last year, did so this season. Came back with a nice performance against the Cowboys. But I see Stafford being the key factor here. Kyler Murray kind of willowing in this spot. Give me the Rams at home. I'll be at the Cardinals 8-1 and one on the road. Rams only 5-3 and three at SoFi Stadium this year. We take the LA Rams to move on. So we see the Bengals move on. We see the Bills move on. We see the Bucks move on. Three Bs. Niners, Chiefs, Rams. Lock it up. Put those six in a parlay if you want. I don't care if you're in a state that's legalized. Hey, we're in Ohio. Big news coming out of Ohio. Should be up and running. Summer of 22. So we can get those futures bets in for next year. Maybe my survivor pool will have a little bit more merit next year too. It won't have to be a black market one. We can join a legit one. Now what kind of playoff preview would this be without a little bit of a prediction time? We go back to the year of 1967. It was Super Bowl One. Hank Stram, head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, taking on Vince Lombardi and the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers, the number one seed in this year's playoffs. The Tennessee Titans, the number one seed in the AFC side, getting Derrick Henry back. And I do love defense running the football, what Mike Rabel provides. But what I'm going to go with this year is a rematch of Super Bowl One. Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, and the Green Bay Packers taking on Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and the Kansas City Chiefs. And I will take a Packers Super Bowl win. A spite in FU. A big Aaron Rodgers second Super Bowl ring. He will give deuces to the NFL as he wins the MVP in as many seasons and also locks up his second Super Bowl ring. So again, we have the three Bs. We have the Niners. We have... The Kansas City Chiefs. We have the LA Rams as your Super Wild Card Weekend winners. But for our Super Bowl preview, we're going to go Packers over the Chiefs. If I give a score, a little bit more of a high scoring affair, we'll go 34 28. Packers by six in Super Bowl one. Now, what I do want to do is get into baseball. I know I like to keep this podcast a little bit shorter. And I want to use this time to get to the Hall of Fame voting, something that will come out in the coming weeks here. And maybe we do a little pop-up podcast to make it baseball-specific. That's what we're going to do. We're going to give a little pop-up podcast here in the future to talk strictly baseball. Whether it be the collective bargaining agreement. Because one thing I do want to do, the owners and baseball side provided a proposal to the players. Today as we sit here, Thursday, January 13th. The players did not counter with anything. I don't know if the players will counter with anything. But I want to be fair and give a little bit time for them to do so. I want to put some more thoughts down on the Hall of Fame, but one point that I, I will make, and I do think baseball is very out of touch with a younger audience. One thing that I have stomped my foot on is you hear great things on what Formula One and Netflix had done to create a docuseries live in the season to draw a different audience to Formula One racing. 
Why not baseball do something similar? Whether they can do it with MLB teams, whether they can do it through the minor leagues to follow prospects and build stars by the time these guys are called up, you have a built-in superstar. You have a reason for someone to watch. Why wouldn't you do that? Well, kudos to the PGA Tour that they are going this route as well, and they're going to try and grip a younger audience to the game of golf. I absolutely love it. And these are the sort of things we need to be on the cutting edge with. One nugget I'm going to give you and just one thought that I have, the baseball writers. And then I'll get into my sort of Hall of Fame stance on players that are on the ballot. But we see an inconsistency with baseball writers and their logic. And it's inconsistent for the fans that follow the game on a day-to-day basis. Right, Fans who follow baseball think that writers are out of touch. So how do you think the casual viewer, who you want to bring in to garner a little bit more attention, to bring more money to the game, how do you think they feel about following it? If they're out of touch with their core audience, they're certainly not in touch with a casual audience. And just one thing I rant on, and maybe this is a little tidbit and a preview for what comes in just a few days from now for the Baseball Pop-Up Podcast, David Ortiz, a DH and a PED user, tracking of the highest percent right now of the publicly known Hall of Fame ballots, over 80%, potentially could get in. His first year here on the ballot. We see well-known PED users Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds, their 10th year on the ballot, struggling to get in. And we also saw Edgar Martinez, one of the greatest right-hand hitters of his generation, one of the best designated hitters of all time. The award, the Designated Hitter of the Year Award, is named after Edgar Martinez. He had to wait until his 10th year on the ballot to get in. And it took a social media push by Ryan Spader over a couple of years to get Edgar Martinez recognized and to get in. But then a guy like David Ortiz might get a cakewalk into the Hall of Fame. What sort of precedent are we setting? Are we setting any precedent at all of the baseball writers? But you see where things don't fully line up. Well, we're going to scorn these PED users. This DH doesn't get in. But this one, he checks two boxes. Put his ass in. Makes no sense. Follow along at SetTheTone underscore pod on Twitter. Again, at SetTheTone underscore pod. I appreciate you all joining me this week. Thought it was fun. Look out for the pop-up podcast. Some other thoughts along the way. I want to get more active on the social media. Bring some things more to you all in 2022. We'll talk to you all soon here on Set The Tone.